Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. Selling pressure has been dominant. Are investors reducing their exposure to both stocks and cryptos? We'll look at the delays in the launch of three crypto ETPs in Australia, exchange-traded products. Is this a sign of how much the support system needs to evolve for such products? Uh, Australia is going to have to wait a bit before it becomes the eighth country in the world to have crypto ETFs. We'll take a couple, a look at the snags along the way. We'll also discuss uh, digital platform Revolut Work Working on expanding its decentralized cryptocurrency wallets, um, the London-based company pushing ahead with its strategy to become a so-called super app. You might be thinking, aren't all cryptocurrency wallets decentralized? What exactly is a decentralized crypto wallet? How does that work, really? What does that enable? To help us answer these questions and uh, for more insight into the crypto landscape, VJIR is VP, Corporate Development and Global Expansion at Luno. Luno is a global retail-focused cryptocurrency platform. And just yesterday, Luno Singapore revealed it has been granted in-principle approval from the Monetary Authority of Singapore under the Payments Services Act. Welcome to the show, Vijay. Morning, Michelle. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for being here. Let's talk about Bitcoin and altcoins. So we're seeing markets, you know, taking as a whole laundry list of macro uncertainties weighing on traditional risk assets. Is Bitcoin again on the losing end? Yeah, absolutely. I think this is becoming, um, you know, a theme uh, of sorts. Uh, and in general, there's so many uncertainties globally on a macro level. And we've talked about this before with regard to inflation and quantitative tightening from the Fed. And so generally, risk, risk assets are kind of being weighed down by this. And you look, you're seeing this in the stock market as well, which and Bitcoin and crypto continues to be quite tightly correlated in that regard. A couple of other things I just point out to you know, one is if you look at uh, and traders watch this quite closely is the dollar index. It's been skyrocketing literally, uh, and essentially anything that's paired against the dollar loses out in that regard, right? So, so if you look at dollar going up, Bitcoin kind of generally tends to go down in that regard. So, and and there's no signs of the dollar topping yet. So, as long as the dollar remains quite strong, I think you're going to see such pressures on on risk assets and you know, including crypto. So we've seen Bitcoin on a downward trend over the past couple of weeks. Um, what is the range that you're expecting it to trade at for the near term? Right. I mean, if you look at what's happened in the past few weeks with Bitcoin, um, you know, the bounces are getting a bit weaker. You know, we, we first hit you know, 48K, we then went back to about 42K, and now we're kind of languishing below 40K. Mm-hmm. This kind of starts to indicate that uh, it's losing a bit of momentum, right? So unless we really get over 42K at this point, there is a big risk to the downside, I would think. So it's starting, that the range is starting to tighten a bit, and that really indicates that we will see some, you know, movement on either side. Um, but if if you have to remain bullish, we have to get over 42K, I think, first. Else, we're probably looking at lower, you know, mid 30, 30s for sure. Mid 30s. So you could potentially see Bitcoin drift around mid 30s, as you say, 33,000 even. Yeah, 33, 34K was the low we put in, I think, a couple of months back. So that could be in sight for Bitcoin. Uh, if if that doesn't hold, then we def- I mean, of course, we will see lower in the, you know, in the 20s. Um, so it's it's very, it's pretty much at a very, very precarious point uh, at this point, mm-hmm. uh, if you ask me. So to be seen what we see over the next 
kind of week or so. What have you seen in terms of altcoin performance? Right, honestly, nothing to write home about, right? Uh, mm. And we know altcoins kind of closely mirror how Bitcoin performs. In a sense, if Bitcoin's bullish, altcoins kind of up, you know, go up as well, and then Bitcoin is bearish, altcoins actually take a bigger, a larger beating. Um, so, no major kind of callouts. Uh, the one I would just call out is something called ApeCoin. I don't know if uh, you, you know listeners have heard about this, but. Uh, this was one of the biggest NFT projects over the last year. Um, it's called the Board Ape Yacht Club B A Y C. They released a bunch of kind of JPEGs, if you if you will. Right. That were that were very highly regarded. Lots of celebrities bought them and so on. And essentially now, I mean, they now they've raised funding from Andreessen, uh, and they just launched something called APE Ape Coin, uh, which is basically meant to be a governance token for for the for their DAO, uh, decentralized autonomous organization, and also used, potentially used in a land sale that they're kind of coming out with, similar to, um, you know, a sandbox or a decentralized. That land sale is actually month, this month end, and you, you've seen this ApeCoin token go up in value because uh, you need to use that token for these land sales. So very, very direct correlation there, and that's probably a bit decorrelated de- from what's happening generally in, in crypto. That's the, probably the only call out, uh, in all honesty. Really interesting. So Ape is the 28th largest cryptocurrency by market cap, and it is an Ethereum-based token for the whole um, Board Ape Yacht Club ecosystem. Is that right? Absolutely, yeah. You, yeah, you got it. All right. Really interesting. Thanks for sharing that. In the meantime, let's go over to Australia. It's going to have to wait a little while longer to become the eighth country in the world to have a crypto ETF because just yesterday it emerged that there's been significant delays in the launch of three expected ETFs down under. Uh, the Cosmos Asset Management and ETF Securities Fund was due to begin trading 10 a.m. yesterday, um, but the highly anticipated launch of it and and in fact, three crypto-focused ETFs was halted less than 24 hours before a proposed listing on the CBOE Australia. Now, the delay is being blamed on a um, prime or executing broker lower down the chain that has yet to approve the products because of a delay in appointing a market maker for the product's launch. When you look at this, the snags along the way, um, do you see this as a sign of how much the support system needs to evolve for such products? What do you make of the snags? Yeah, it's, it's hard to kind of really read much into why the snags has taken place, I guess. Um, you know, uh, an announcement was maybe a bit premature and they probably didn't check all the nuts and bolts. But uh, as you rightly mentioned, there could be areas where they double check and kind of want to make sure that there's approval, all the approvals required, like you mentioned, the prime broker kind of being in place and having market makers and so on. I, I would not read too much into it. Uh, mm. What I would just say is that um, even even these ETFs that are launching in, the, in Australia are, are potentially not very pure spot ETFs. They're actually fund of funds structures. So essentially this ETF these ETFs in Australia invest in other ETFs, basically that have launched in Canada. So it's mm. like a fund of fund structure, and it's not it's not a direct kind of spot exposure to Bitcoin. Still for, a derivative, exactly, mm. exactly, right. So even you know we were looking into a lot of this. Our parent company DCG owns Grayscale, and they have a you know obviously they own the largest asset manager in crypto, essentially with thirty seven billion dollars in assets. And uh, they, you know we were chatting about this and. Yeah, so essentially the, the U.S. spot ETF still is the kind of um, 
gold uh, i mean uh, gold spot here essentially right because uh-huh. if if you, if that kind of gets approved that kind of opens the gates to uh, most markets to kind of go ahead with spot etfs as well so yeah i wouldn't be too concerned with the delays here on these etfs because it's essentially not still a spot etf it's like a fund of fund structure all right got that in the meantime, um, Decent- digital banking platform Revolut says it's working on expanding into decentralized cryptocurrency wallets. It's also looking at the mortgage sector. So when we hear this, uh, Vijay, help our listeners understand uh, this point. Aren't all cryptocurrency wallets decentralized? What exactly is a decentralized crypto wallet and why would it be important to expand into the space? Sure. Um, so uh, I'm not very sure about the Revolut news. Um, so I'm not going to specifically comment on what they're doing, but just to your point around decentralized versus, I mean, uh, the, what I would term it is this custodial wallets and non-custodial wallets. And the simple way to understand is that is, and, there's, and, and by the way, there's a spectrum of how users view these things, right? Custodial wallets are where the wallet itself and the, the platform stores your private keys. Um, and every, you know anyone who's dabbled in crypto knows that owning private keys is uh, is a key kind of part of how you get into crypto, right? But the reason uh, people come to platforms like Luno is because we offer a safe, easy way, trusted way to be able to buy and store your crypto with us, right? People who are a bit more um, at the other end of the spectrum, where they're a bit more kind of advanced in how they, um, you know, dabble in crypto, they're mm-hmm. able to uh, store their own keys. And in, in wallets called non-custodial wallets. So they custody their own private keys. Uh, and so the, there's various kind of reasons why you use a custodial solution like Luno versus a non-custodial like many other solutions available. Uh, non-custodial wallets essentially allow you to kind of take your keys wherever you want, right? I mean, uh, and sign into platforms where you can use your crypto, uh, buy an NFT on OpenSea and so on and so forth. Um, Custodial wallets, essentially, you trust the platform that, uh, you know, to store your keys and store your crypto. Mm -hmm. But of course, you can take your crypto out of these custodial wallets and send it to any other platform you want as well. So I think it's just in the spectrum of trust and risk that you see uh, uh, in terms of crypto. If you really just want to make sure that you have a trusted place, you can kind of store your crypto, you'd use a platform like Luno. Else, if you're kind of quite comfortable with storing your own keys, you'd probably use a non-custodial wallet. So if you lost your password or something and it's a custodial wallet, um, would you be able to get help from whoever is providing the custody? Yes. I mean, in, in many situ- most situations, you should be able to get help. If you kind of lose your password, you can reset pa- your password and kind of our team will help you with that. But of course, if in a non-custodial scenario, if you lose your private key, that's, that's the end it. of that, right? That's, yeah. that's it. So those exactly like I mentioned, it's basically uh, how comfortable are you with those risks. All right. Vijay Aya is VP Corporate Development and Global Expansion at Luno. Everybody's been talking about the uh, Twitter deal, of course, Elon Musk and Twitter, what it will mean for freedom of speech. Should, uh, what is, you know, there is no more Twitter board. Uh, what does that mean? But in terms of altcoins, I understand Doge uh, went up. It jumped on news of the Twitter deal. It leapt. Let's see. I'm not sure how much exactly, but I do know that it went about 20 up. About 28 percent. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Okay, that's yeah. quite a leap then. Um, what do you think? How much of an influence do you think must Twitter deal will have on, on, on cryptocurrency? Right. Um, I mean, no. anyone's guess, right? But mm-hmm. generally, you've seen Musk 
engage quite actively on Twitter with regard to crypto, right? Uh, especially with coins like Doge and even, I mean, of course, Tesla holds back Bitcoin on its balance sheet and so on. So I think you'll see a lot more interesting activity out of Twitter. I, I, I do think that that is to be expected. In general, they have already been making a lot of moves even before the Musk deal, right? So they've been introducing ways to kind of change your profile picture. You can, you know, as an NFT that you bought, you can kind of tip people on Twitter and so on and so forth. And generally, the te- like the, you know, the CEO as well, and even Jack, when he was at Twitter, were very, very pro. There could be a very big crypto element to how Twitter kind of runs its business. But yeah, to be seen and uh, anyone's guess what they might do. But there's a number of things they could easily kind of start uh, integrating into the platform that would make it quite interesting uh, for the crypto ecosystem overall. All right. Really interesting. Thank you, Vijay, for joining us this morning. Thank you, Michelle. He's Vijay Aya, VP Corporate Development and Global Expansion at Luno, which is a global retail-focused cryptocurrency platform. It's garnered over 10 million customers across 40 countries, with over a million added in the last six months. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.